Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. Happy Friday, Bitcoiners. Welcome back. We have a good show lined up. We have some price movement happening right now. I also have stories from around the space, of course, but there's some geopolitical stuff and some global economic stuff, uh, you know, the macro picture that's going on. So I'll cover some of those things as well. Up front, I want to thank my supporters on Patreon that make this content possible. If you guys would like to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets all spelled out. There's also free ways to support the show if you're inclined to do so. BitcoinandMarkets.com forward slash support. I also want to thank the members on Discord for making my experience a, a little bit uh, more enjoyable. I mean, I know there's Bitcoin Twitter, but I'm a big proponent of kind of localism or forming your own community and things like that. That's what really matters. And it's been great. And I feel like a real community building over there on Discord. So thank you guys for participating. And I hope you guys are having fun too. Always open to feedback. So shoot it my way. All right. Last thing is the fundamentals report coming out every Friday. Don't forget to sign up for that on my website. You'll see the big red button. Okay. Let's get into the price. The price is the most most important thing in Bitcoin. I just want to tell you that. There, there's there's a lot of technical stuff going on, of course, lots of developments uh, from Bitcoin Core, from the Lightning teams, from uh, all over the place, academic work going on. Uh, but price is the fundamental driver. Uh, it is the only way that we get uh, information about the market. Okay, so uh, the market price takes all of the disparate information from around the economy and distills it into a market price. That is really the only thing that matters. I mean, if the market price dropped to $1, uh, would there be all of this excitement and all this commotion and all this stuff around Bitcoin? Absolutely not. Uh, if if the price went up to a million dollars today, there would be a lot more, a lot more developments, okay? A lot more uh, people coming in. Um, a lot more adoption. So price is really the only thing that matters. And it's driven by fundamentals, not only Bitcoin fundamentals, but the fundamentals out there from the traditional markets, the inflation that's coming. All the major fiat currencies are in deep trouble. All the fundamentals from the economy mixed together to give you this market price. Okay. And that's one reason why we see these big spurts in growth followed by long periods of consolidation because the market will overshoot and then undershoot. That's that's how equilibrium works, right? You're always moving towards equilibrium. You never get into equilibrium, but the market always pushes towards efficiency. And that efficiency can change moment to moment. For example, you know, just a very simple example, if you're in the steel industry, there might be um, global demand of a certain amount of tons. Say, I, I have no idea. I'm just going to say ballpark 100,000 tons globally is this demand for steel this week. And then next week, it might be 98,000 tons. Then 
102,000 tons. And so the goal, the goalposts are always switching in the market. And, but the market forces are constantly pushing towards the proper equilibrium of supply equaling demand at the market price. Um, if there's a supply shock, right? Like say there is a natural disaster in Japan or something, and a lot of their infrastructure needs to be rebuilt. There's going to be extra demand. Say it goes up to 150,000 tons of steel or something. Then of course, that's going to drive the market price up. More resources are going to come in. And that, that's how this works, right? The market price is giving the information. If there were no market price, there would be no way to coordinate your actions. The absence of a market price, um, just destroys the economy. And that's one of the problems, right? With socialism and with central planning is that anytime that you mess with the market price, you cause ripple effects. Nobody can coordinate. The economy grinds to a halt. All right, then you have the very base minimum amount of coordination going on. It, it takes you back to pre-money times, right? If there's no money price or if there's no market prices, what's the point of money in the first place? There isn't any. You just have to uh, decree that they will make this much or make that much. But there's no way to know if that's the right amount. So that's the argument against against socialism, but it's also shows you that the market price is the only thing that really matters here. All right. So today we have a big day right now. We're uh bit stamp is at 8418. We're breaking multiple areas of resistance uh, to the top side, breaking that 21 day simple moving average, which I thought was very, very important. And also this resistance zone that uh, is formed by some of the candles back in mid May. So it took us a whole month to get back to this point, um, but we are showing a lot of strength. Backed, they've announced uh, that they're going to start testing. Nothing has been mentioned about regulatory clearance from the CFTC. Uh, a lot of people are talking about that. Uh, there's also this Facebook coin, and I, I talked about that last week, but there is no like bad news for Bitcoin. People are going to hear about this Facebook coin. They're going to give it all of this this media attention. Uh, they're going to say it's the killer, Bitcoin killer and things, when in reality it's like the altcoin killer. But they're going to say, this is the Bitcoin killer. And what are people going to do? They're going to say, hey, let's, how is it different? How, why is this different than Bitcoin? Why is it going to kill Bitcoin? And they're going to learn. They're going to, oh my God, Bitcoin is censorship resistant. Like the government can't just come and take this from me. They can freeze my Facebook coin, but they can't freeze my Bitcoin. When they learn about Facebook coin, there, and they start digging into it. There's going to be a lot of people that f use that to find their way to Bitcoin. I bet in three, four years from now, when we hear people's origin stories in Bitcoin, in a few years, when we look back, there's going to be, they're going to say, Hey, well, I got this Facebook coin and it made me interested. And I looked into Bitcoin and I haven't put it down since. Right. So, um, this is a big avenue for adoption. So price. Yes. Uh, 84, 14 now on Bitstamp, breaking through a lot of resistance. Now, is this a fake out? I don't know. Are we entering a, another triangle? <laughs> that was one of the things from the last bull market. Um, it seemed like every time it was like consolidating, it was forming these triangles and then it might break out of that, but it was forming a larger triangle. And so maybe we're forming a larger triangle here and we will, we're not going to see 10,000 quite yet. Maybe it's going to take another several months or something. Now my call for a pullback. 
we saw a fairly significant pullback back on uh, the 3rd and 4th of June. I don't think that's enough. I think we are going to go lower than that eventually. I don't know exactly when that will be. Maybe there is some FUD coming in the near future. We don't know. But fundamentally, the demand is there. But there can be some manipulation. Anyway, okay, let's move on to more than price. Let's look at mining. So on the 13th, we had a difficulty adjustment. And you guys can go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash difficulty. I have uh, some averages there. I have a whole, the entire history of the difficulty as well as a, a simple chart of the last year of the difficulty. But this one that we just had on the 13th was a negative adjustment, but very small, 0.67%. Uh, that's interesting because the price is going up, right? So over the last three adjustments, we had a 0% increase, a 0% decrease this time, pretty much. And we had one large 11, 11% increase. The average increase there is around 3%, uh, 3.5%, I think. So we have... uh the price going up 60% over the last six weeks, but the difficulty only going up about 11% during that time. Right now, I would expect that mining is very, very profitable. All right, let's take a look at Lightning. So layer two is where the payments happen. There are, of course, payments that can happen on layer one, uh, but layer one is for the censorship resistance and the the monetary properties. That's the 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 base level of the monetary properties of Bitcoin. And uh, layer two is where all the payment happens. Like, how do you define, think of it like this. How do you define what gold is, right? Well, gold is defined by like an atomic weight uh, and characteristics around that atomic, you know, the substance that is that atomic weight. That's layer one. Layer two is the banking system or money. Maybe a layer three or a derivative of layer two would be like paper notes, right? So layer one, the base layer, the consensus layer of Bitcoin, it defines the, the asset. And then you have the payments or other types of derivatives built on top. I think it's easier to think about it that way. All right, but lightning here. So what do we have? The number of nodes is very steady, continues to increase. Uh, I'm waiting for it to break that 9,000, but it's not quite doing it. Uh, we have uh, the number of channels has significantly decreased over the last 30 days. And the network capacity also is very steady. You have uh, 945. So we have April, May, and June now where the growth has slowed down. So another fundamental here on the development side, there's lots of talk going on constantly. Um, take a look at the Bitcoin dev mailing list or the Optech newsletter to dip your toe into that. But this, this development I wanted to bring up, it's called State Chains, Ruben Sampson. Uh, he presented it at a recent conference and I thought it was very interesting. So I wanted to hit you guys up with it. It's a layer two, and it's related to sidechains. For example, sidechain has a federation. So there are some drawbacks to that, but you know, you get a, any sort of added features that you want can be done on a sidechain and then pegged to the Bitcoin currency, right? And that's kind of the benefit there. We have multiple 
sidechains that are in production right now. And that it, one of them would be RSK. I haven't heard much from them lately. It is a uh, Ethereum smart contracts ported onto a sidechain of Bitcoin. Then there's the liquid sidechain. I think they have one minute blocks there. I'm not quite sure. So there's a, a lot of different features that they've added on this liquid sidechain. Um, not much demand yet, but there will be and innovation, right? Like there's going to be things that happen that are going to drive different use cases um, that we don't even know yet. We'd have no idea. A lot of the altcoins, they, they're built because I want to do this thing I'm already doing, but with Ethereum or but with a blockchain. A lot of the demand for sidechains and, and even the Lightning Network are going to come from brand new things, right? Brand new applications, brand new innovation that we can't see. If we could see that, if we could predict the future, <laughs> we would and we would get rich. But um, that is uh, what I'm seeing. Okay, so back to state chains. State chains, they're a non-custodial off-chain Bitcoin transfer. So like I said, it's related to sidechains. What you do with state chains is you lock up complete UTXOs. The whole output would be locked into a state chain and then you can do a lot of different things. One of the cool things uh, that is about state chains is it's non-custodial. So in sidechains, that federation can collude to harm you or <laughs> harm your balance in that, in that sidechain. But in state chains, there is a federation as well, or there is a third party, but that third party cannot steal your Bitcoins. It's non-custodial. The only way that they can affect you is if they collude with one of the people of previous ownership. So say I lock up a tenth of a Bitcoin and I send that to somebody and then they send it to somebody else. I could technically collude with the third party to you know, steal that Bitcoin back, but the third party cannot do it by themselves. So when you're thinking about regulation, how are we going, you know, who do we apply these regulations to state level attacks? There's nobody to regulate because that third party can't do it by themselves. All right. I hope that was clear. Another cool thing about state chains is you can open up lightning channels from them, unlimited amount of lightning channels. So this is similar to a, um, channel factory or a similar outcome to a channel factory. So what a channel factory is, is you uh, get together with a group of people, say 20 people, and you can open up uh, as many channels within that group as you want, unlimited amounts. Um, so it doesn't cost you to open and close channels like on the main chain, like everybody else for lightning. With state chains, uh, there is no limit uh, with the 20 people. You can swap with the people, any new person or old person that uses the same third party as you. So that's, that's very interesting. It's not as restrictive, uh, for channel creation as channel factories are. So that's pretty cool. Just another thing that shows, you know, layer two is where it's at. You want to lock down that layer one and build everything on layer two because the monetary confidence, the price, is going to be affected by the layer one confidence. Uh, layer two confidence is a little bit different. Like if uh, Coinbase is technically layer two, right? It's built, it uses Bitcoin within their systems and they can send and receive it and things like that. So Coinbase is a layer two, but if Coinbase fails, that doesn't affect the confidence in the underlying asset. Where layer, if you build these things onto layer one, onto the consensus layer, and there's a consensus failure, 
that will affect the confidence of the asset itself. That is one of the big differences between hard forks and soft forks. Soft forks are uh, backwards compatible. They don't mess with those consensus rules where the hard forks mandate a change. And that change kind of destroys a lot of the uh, monetary confidence that that asset had accrued up to that point. And then if it becomes a, um, like a property of the network, whatever network you're talking about, we could say Ethereum. If it becomes a property of Ethereum to be easy to change, um, you know, and nobody's going to be investing with a long-term time horizon. It's going to be a short-term speculative play and it will never get out of that, uh, pigeonholing them into that role. So that's all I got to say about that. All right. I haven't talked about this on the show, but it, it is in the report every week. Uh, this is Google Trends. And we have uh, had a big surge in interest up to the middle of May. There was an increase in the searches for the term Bitcoin. But since then, so since, uh, uh, you know, that middle week of May, the number of search results for the term Bitcoin has decreased quite significantly. We've lost 50% of the search results from about a month ago. So that is not showing that this breakout is super, super bullish. I think that these search terms, they're real-time indicators. So if you're looking at a breakout on your price chart and you check Google Trends, Google Trends should back up the price chart, right? That both of them are showing more interest at that time. If it's not that way, like we have now, it's a mismatch. It makes me believe in the breakout less. Okay, so there is that to consider. All right, let's break into some of this these news items. So as I mentioned earlier, we have some details released from Bact about their Bitcoin futures. They will be testing starting in July, and they released some details about a monthly and a daily futures contract. I'm not going to go through it here. Obviously, some of these things can change, but it looks like the contract size is going to be one Bitcoin. Uh, so that's pretty significant. And that, that puts a lower bound on the number of people that can participate in this, right? Um, and it also makes me think like, uh, if this is supposed to be with Starbucks and they're supposed to have all these different relationships with retail and all of this stuff, but they're doing one con, one Bitcoin contracts, I don't know exactly how that's going to work out yet. Uh, but we have some time to wait. They're just starting testing and they haven't announced CFTC approval yet. So we'll see how this goes. Next news item. Also, I have here from CoinDesk um, is a report that Uber, PayPal, Visa, and I think MasterCard, they were all going to be working with Facebook's new cryptocurrency. It's not a cryptocurrency, okay? It's a, it's a token. It's a centralized token. I've heard this also a lot recently that tokens need a blockchain and people try to sell me on the benefits of tokens. You don't need a blockchain for a token. All you need is a freaking database, right? Air, airline miles, those are tokens. Sorry to break it to you. You don't need a blockchain. Anything is a token. Even like, say, concert tickets. Concert tickets are tokens. So you don't need a blockchain for a token. Facebook coin, you know, it's not a cryptocurrency. It is a database, period. It's just a token. So according to this report, they are signing on all of these people. But my question, you know, goes back to, okay, this is a stable coin. Why are people going to hold it? Is this Facebook coin going to be as liquid as 
the dollar or the euro or the yen, whatever's in their basket of currencies? No, it won't be. People will be trying to dump this constantly, right? And so this peg is, one, the peg is going to be hard to maintain. My initial question was, okay, so it's this, it's stable to a basket of currencies. Well, if I'm a person in Japan that wants to buy all this Facebook coin to use it on with all of these retailers for no reason, then, um, you know, how are you going to keep that basket stable if I want to deposit a billion yen? It doesn't make any sense to me how they're going to do this. So we'll see. They're coming out with details later next week. So uh, we'll have to be watching out for that. The other question would be who would accept it that's not accepting the fiat currency? You know, who is going to accept strictly Facebook coin? Nobody is. This is very similar to the SDR. This is kind of like uh, what people have been talking about with the SDR for a long time, that the the eventual uh, successor to the dollar reserve standard is going to be the SDR reserve standard from, you know, the IMF has this basket of currencies. So this could be like that. Maybe they think this can grow into a successor for the dollar. I don't know. But if that's the case, the U.S. is never going to let it happen. So, right, I don't, I don't know this. I don't get it. I don't get this Facebook coin. Call me an idiot, but I don't get this. I don't get who's going to want this. All right, that's enough on that. I want to give a tether update because there's going to be another round of tether FUD. Absolutely 100%. So I like this website, stablecoinindex.com. It's owned by Masari. But they have a nice chart here that shows you kind of the relative price movements of the different stable coins. They're all pretty stable, really, and there, there hasn't been a big shock to the system. Um, but the whole question is, why? Why own these things if you can own the other asset? The only, like, legitimate use case out there is arbitrage, right? And, um, that is Tether's domain. So if you take a look at the market cap of Tether, we are at a staggering $3.4 billion worth of Tether out there. And the two competitors that you hear most about, uh, USD Coin and Paxos, they are at 340 million and 170 million respectively. So it looks like USD Coin is about 10% of Tether. Um, but when you look at the trading volume, it's nothing even close. So the trading volume for USD coin is uh, 100 million. And for Tether, it's 18 billion. 18 billion. So that is what? About a half of 1%. So when you're talking market cap, yeah, the market cap for USD coin is 10%. But the volume for these coins, uh, USD coin is only half of 1%. So even though USD coin seems to be bigger and they have Coinbase behind them and they have Goldman Sachs behind them and they have all these other people, it doesn't seem like they're doing as much uh, here. And I, I don't even really want to bring in DAI into the conversation because, yes, it is a stable coin. <laughs> even though it's one, its market cap hasn't grown in a while now. Um, it's been stuck at about 80 million and the volume is fairly low at less than 50 million in 24 hours is the volume for die. But anyway, so that's it. Tether's still dominating. They're the only 
uh, stablecoin that's approaching, uh, you know, or even approaching a billion dollar market cap. So we'll see. It's going to be Tether versus Facebook coin, and we'll see what happens. All right, let's get into this false flag event that happened over in the Gulf of Oman. It was a couple of international tanker ships, you know, allies of the United States. One of them, uh, I'm certain, was owned by a Japanese company. Uh, the other one, I believe, was a Saudi vessel. Um, but this is not a unusual thing over there in the Gulf. They have had similar attacks recently. Uh, but this one was immediately pinned on Iran. And uh, so that is, to me, they, you know, if the U.S. president comes out and says, Iran did this, there has to be some sort of retaliation. But I don't think Iran was responsible. They're trying to say that it was due to these magnetic mines, and they put out some video or some evidence of that. But the uh, testimony or the uh, first-hand account from some of the crewmen on the Japanese vessel, they say they saw things flying around in the air, like towards the ship. Um, the damage to the ships were was above the waterline, and so it probably wasn't a torpedo unless the torpedo, you know, will come out of the water before it hits the target, which is possible they have that kind of thing now. But um, usually torpedoes are under the water. Same with mines. They're at the water line or below, and they're meant to sink the ship. Now, what could happen or what kind of weapon would hit a ship, uh, you know, 10 feet above the water line? Well, a cruise missile. A cruise missile would do that. So, uh, they can skim right over the top of the water and come in and hit that ship above the waterline. I don't know really much many of the facts of the case, but I do know that a from the, the uh, suspicious way that the ships were hit, that a cruise missile makes more sense in my mind. And remember, I have 10 years of military experience. Um, so this was a false flag in my mind they want they are scared to death of the falling oil price this is all about oil it's not about iran it's not about any of that i mean that those are added benefits because of the the saudis hate the iranians even though when you look at those two countries who would you think uh you know the us should be allies with should they be allies with the secular muslim nation or with the radical muslim nation we're we're best buddies with the radical Muslim nation. The bottom line is the oil price. Over the last few weeks, we've been hearing more and more uh, reports about the plummeting worldwide demand for oil. It was getting really bad. The, the price was starting to plummet. It was about to break $50. Now, one of the things, you know, if you're talking about the dollar and how far the U.S. will go to save their dollar hegemony, um, if the price of oil goes down, like I think the fair market value of oil is maybe half the price it is today per barrel. So what does that do to the demand for dollars? It's going to have much less demand for dollars because you have to use dollars to buy the oil. So this, they're to, instead to head off this lower demand for the dollar and lower oil prices in general for these countries. The U.S. is one of the largest exporters of oil in the world. They created this false flag event. They're rattling their sabers. They're talking really tough. And it's scary in a way because if they do attack 
Iran. Iran has alliances with Russia and China and things. They have to save the oil price to save the dollar. How far are they willing to go to save the dollar? This is an important question for Bitcoiners, right? That they are willing to do these false flag events. Now, that would be harder against with Bitcoin. That would be harder against Bitcoin because Bitcoin isn't a country to do these, to stage these false flag events. So they would have to change their playbook a little bit. But in the grand scheme of things, there's no central party to defend or to sign an alliance with or anything like that. So Bitcoin is an easier target in that regard. So how far will the U.S. go to protect the dollar? That's the question here. Now, on a broader scale, in the entire global economy, in the macro picture, most of these large fiat currencies are really struggling. They're on life support right now. The dollar is so bad. Now, just think if we start QE soon, you know, they've stopped doing the rate increases. What if they start pumping more money into the system again? Right. At the same time that you have falling demand for dollars because the oil price is cut in half. That leads to major inflation. And this, this will help the oil price. The oil price will go up after this, but it cannot stop the inevitable. And the inevitable is for the dollar to devalue. All major fiat currencies are in the same boat here. Everybody wants to devalue the yuan. I mean, they don't want to let the yuan devalue uncontrollably because it would right now. There's, it's just China's probably fiscally or financially in the worst shape out of all of them, major currencies. So what do I see going forward? Well, I do expect major inflation and soon. I, I think before the presidential election next year in the U.S., uh, I think we're going to see big inflation, of course, coupled with QE. So it's going to... I think it's going to get bad. And of course, everyone always says, oh, it can go on forever and ever and ever. And that's because we've been conditioned to think that. I mean, I was a gold bug for 10 years before I even found Bitcoin. And I'm not an old guy, but, you know, I've I've been waiting and waiting for this these monetary events to happen. And it feels like at this point, it's like, damn, it's never going to happen. But it is going to happen. OK, it's it's just a matter of time. And I think this is almost the moment. I mean. A lot of different weapons that they have in their arsenal are no longer effective. It takes $3 in debt to get $1 of GDP growth and at a minimum. They're at the end of the line here. We went from a you know subprime mortgage crisis with all these derivatives and entangling derivatives, the weapons of mass financial destruction. And now it's morphed into a sovereign debt crisis, an actual crisis of the currency itself. So going forward, I think we're going to see massive inflation over the next 12 months. It's going to start, uh, including with QE, and uh, it's going to spread around the world. I think gold is going to get a massive pump along with Bitcoin because Bitcoin is a much shallower market, it's going to have a more of effect on Bitcoin, but gold is also going to go up. Um, have to readdress and, and see what it's like 12 months from now. But I do think that uh, pretty hef hefty inflation is just around the corner. 
All right, that's going to do it for today, guys. Thank you for joining me. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you'd like to support the show, again, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. We'll see you next time. Peace.